0: Hello, Wuminjika, and welcome. Um, my name is Robert Buckingham, and this is day two of M Pavilion. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, M Pavilion is an initiative of the Naomi Milgram Foundation, um, and the idea uh, was to build four temporary pavilions uh, in the Queen Victoria Gardens over four years. Uh, this is the second one, designed by ALA uh, from the UK. And today we're going to have a conversation with two gentlemen. One is Tom Ouglo from Google Creative, and the other is. If they'll concentrate. Sorry,
1: sorry. You're just show me his technology.
0: Um, and the other is Ben Evans from London Design Festival. So the reason we're um, having a chat today is uh, through a series of collaborations. This project is a collaboration, um, an Anglo-Australian collaboration. Um, The architect is English. Uh, The builders obviously are based here, Kane Construction. Um, The Petals, were made in Brisbane by a company called Moldcam, um, and then we've also commissioned a number of other aspects, lighting and um, sound. So each evening at sunset, there's a Sunset Ritual, which has music by um, Matthias Shack arnott and lighting by Ben Cobbin So one of the other th- interesting things that happened was that Ben Evans, who is a friend from the UK, suggested an idea about called 25 times design. And I'm going to let Ben tell you a little bit about that.
1: Oh, right now. Um, I, I, okay, the starting point on this is that uh, um, I think we kind of, you know, we live in our cities and we we don't notice stuff. We don't stop and think about it. We don't pause. And we're c- completely surrounded by design all of the time. But um, it barely registers. And uh, I think you... I mean, how many hundreds, probably thousands of design experiences we have every day. Uh, but it, there may be one that you notice because it's very, very good, or one you notice because it's very, very bad, but everything else just, is just an assumed kind of part of life. And um, we like this idea about if we could try and create 25 moments where people would actually just pause and, and rethink and just have a look at something that you might be very familiar with and perhaps look at it in a, in a, in a different way and they can be very kind of macro or, or, or micro things. Um, and I'm pleased to say Melbourne's the first city that we're doing this project in, and assuming you all like it and enjoy it, and uh, the feedback is good, this could be replicated in, in other cities around the world, and it, it could also come back to Melbourne each year, um, because it, it then has a curator. So um, in this case, it's been Amanda Levite who's designed design this structure, who's not from Melbourne, who's from London, uh, but has selected 25 things that um, sh- she thinks of her interest and also given you a kind of um, uh, an observation on each of those. Um, and you can agree with her or you can disagree. It doesn't really matter. But it, it, it's, it's about, you know, those design moments, I think. That's the kind of premise of the idea.
0: And when we first started talking, um, we weren't sure how... Um, This was going to be illustrated, Um, it might have been a map, it might have been spots on the ground, it might have been lots of different things. But then, like most things, uh, there was a conversation and we met Tom Uglo from uh, Google Creative Lab and Tom had some ideas about how we could make this project work. But Tom, maybe you could talk a little bit firstly about what you do at Google Creative Lab.
2: Oh, yes.
0: Um, if you're allowed to.
2: Oh, I'm always allowed to. I <laughs> have a great difficulty in, in um, keeping it into a narrow narrow sphere. Because, Keep um, it under an hour, Tom. Yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> always a hazard. Um, uh, at its very simplest, we work with um, the technology that's really being very transformative in all our lives, and we look to see how... Um, well, I just feel that that, that that one of the things that's sort of lacking is a um, an exploration of, of how, it's sort of like design moments, how this technology integrates into cultural moments and into design and into the world that we have around us. Um, there's an awful lot of... There's a lot of people spending a lot of time working on how technology improves your lives and how it allows you to share your lives and, and how you buy things. That, there is no problem on but there's a there's a certain lack of reflection on um how it integrates into sort of other other spaces so what we do is we spend a lot of time working on um working on sort of well we're doing we do we do everything we do everything from plays and we've done films and we're doing a series on books at the moment which is a particular fascination to me um and understanding how when you look at the old paradigms that existed before the digital before digital and then you explore quite how many of those have just been carried through straight into digital as if it changes nothing um, and then you start to play and so we play in that space um, and we do lots of different sorts of projects and, um, and then the outputs of those uh, turn into uh, sort of well things like this um, hopefully.
0: And so, Tom, do you want to? You can. You can. We're going to launch today. Oh yeah. yes. <laughs> and so, the Google Creative Team have been working incredibly hard to put um, online uh, the twenty-five ideas or inspirations that Amanda has selected, um, and then we can. And do you want to talk yeah, a little bit sure. about how that's done?
2: Um, it's always great fun trying to describe something on the internet. Um, so. So, bear with me whilst I do that. I was just wondering whether, and I probably ought to know this, but do we have a URL? <laughs> I just got off a plane. Don't mind me. Um, do we have a URL? Jesse? No, I can't hear that.
1: It's currently
2: on the. That sounds okay. straightforward. Yeah. <laughs> um, we all
0: get there.
2: <laughs> uh, you can I'm going to describe it. I was, I was, I was gonna have a moment of going, uh, let's everybody get your phones out and have a look. But, um, and we would actually like you all to get your phones out and have a look. It is really one of the first times we've done this at a, at a, um, a sig- well it's the first time we've done this at a significant scale. It's the solution, it's um, bringing together two of our experiments. One of which is a program called Bite Size, which is about making incredibly light, simple um, websites on the fly. Um, I, I basically just using a spreadsheet. So that you can type into a spreadsheet, and then it just auto magically designs that for you. Um, so you have all of these uh, components that you that you can remove, um, and and that it's it's got a very sort of lightness of, of um, uh, technical infrastructure. You don't actually need to be a developer. You don't need to code. You don't need to do these things. You don't even need to be a designer. You and it's a, it's one of the things the internet can do very well. And the other thing which is the bit that I think is probably more interesting is it uses a, a, a little product that we've been developing called Story Spheres which is the thing you can do with your phone where you take a photo and then you take another photo and another photo and another photo, and you can create a 360-degree photo. Um, which has been around for a while and I think Apple have just introduced it onto the iPhone so it's new for everyone here but for people on Android phones it's been around for a while so you've been able to take these 360 degree photos and so a few years ago we were like well can we take those photos and put them onto the web rather than being just I- in the Google product and they're like yes it's a photo you can definitely do that and can you wrap it around and then well, if it's a, a photo on a web page can we add audio to it And and so... Um, and my lovely engineers say yes so we've ended up with this little thing where you can we've been all around melbourne to our 25 spots and we've taken these 360 degree photos which allow you to as we were just um fiddling about with as you saw at the start um be in that space so it's it allows you to see as if you have a little window onto the Rooms or the galleries or the, the these these special curated spaces, and then eventually it allows um, our curator to give you that opinion as you're looking at the thing. So it's very much more. I mean, it's not ideal because at the end of the day, you're looking at a phone. You're not in the room. Um, you're not in the gallery. Nothing beats the real thing, though, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> nothing beats the real thing. Which, by the way, applies to everything. Um, but it does allow us to kind of. Um, scale out these ideas and just as a book doesn't actually beat the real thing these are ways in using technology which allow for that for us to be in that space and and for people who aren't able to kind of visit Melbourne to to visit that thing so it's just a new way of looking and a new way of kind of hearing a curator's voice i'm interested in this idea of bd before digital so
1: Mm. what does that make 1975 is that 20 bd or something like that um
2: (laughs) it's not a bad idea well, uh, uh, it's, it's 19 BW. Um, the, the, the Internet's been around for a very long time. Uh, it's, a, it's a strange thing. And we were talking with academics earlier about um, how, how the Internet is, was meant to just improve communication between academics, but it still takes them five years to get a book out because it has to be in a book form because actually the Internet is not going to be a terribly reliable way of archiving these things because it's incredibly
1: organic. Can we just talk about this thing about real experience? Because I think that's quite interesting, you know, because that's one of the great dilemmas of the digital age, isn't it? The real versus the, the digital version. Um, I was involved in a, an arts organization for many years called Art Angel in London, who did very, very specific commissions and a very kind of eminent um, organisations. organisation. So most famously they did Rachel Whiteread's house. I mean I'm sure many of you are familiar with this single building sitting in a in a in a open space in East London. But the the board had a big debate about whether uh, we should even have a website on the basis that the, the digital version was always going to be significantly inferior than the real experience because the projects were um, you know, uh, unmissable as, as kind of real experiences. And I actually, in a, perhaps in a Luddite way, tried to defend the argument that we shouldn't have a website because um, I was happy for the experiences to be consigned to memory but they felt the obligation of the organisation was that we should try and replicate them in some way, however inferior, on our on, on website. And I think that's one of the big dilemmas in the modern age, actually.
2: It's, I think it's fascinating because I have a sneaking <coughs> suspicion that we're moving past the, spate, the stage where... Like, I think you're moving back into an ephemeral... Digital being quite ephemeral, much more experiential and, and of the moment, much more, like, performative. Because it is... Not possible to see the website that you created for Rachel Whiteread's house. I mean, that's not possible. It's it's just as I'm sure the catalogue is still um, sitting on a, a library shelf somewhere. But I'd be I and even if you could experience the website, you couldn't experience it in the context or the browsing experience of of the time. So we are. It's really interesting, and I think I think we need to recognise that 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 we are moving into that space on the on the on the 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 kind of qualitative aspect of digital i worked on a project quite a long time ago which is now a big 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 google thing called the art project um where there's a it's a broad digitization of of the world's galleries and you can get um i i'm going to take some assumed knowledge about this one of the things that you can do is you can look at gigapixel captures of of the world's more famous paintings and you can do sort of street view inside museums this means that for that experience of of it doesn't beat the experience and, and one of the conversations was always like why would we put this up because then people won't come to the to the to the gallery and and what's fascinating is that even though a gigapixel capture actually does allow you it, it, it is superior to your your abilities you can see hairline kind of detail that you can't see there's first of all you're not going to get close enough to look and even when you can you're not going to get that resolution and detail Um, and yet nothing transcends the experience of being in an installation with the water lilies nothing and there's probably science behind that but i'm not sure what I mean, I'm very intrigued about the science behind that. I think it's
1: quite a pivotal moment in that sense. I mean, surely we are going to get to the point where some digital
2: experiences are going to be significantly better than the real experiences. The, the virtual reality stuff is fascinating. I'm not sure how many of you have had an opportunity to play with a sort of Oculus Rift and the very many kind of variations on that and cardboard, which is... I mean, so, so Google, Google's version is called cardboard, which is a slightly light version, but it is... It, it, at an experiential thing, it's fascinating um, because you are um, sort of visually and in, in, um, transported... Um, but the, the, we just don't know what that I, we don't know what the kind of miasmic quality is that, that, that puts the, the reality of the situation and, and, and makes it real yeah, not the word. <laughs> what, what is real? So that's the question for
0: us all. So um, one of the one of the one of the uh, uh, places that um, Amanda selected is uh, Robin Boyd's house in Wall Street, and it might be nice to. I mean, Ben, you stayed at the house. Um, now, if you've done the the story sphere or the three hundred and sixty view of the house, um, which then, of course, everyone who goes online can actually experience being in the house, yeah. but... Because
1: there's not access... Of there's pulling. not...
0: You can get access to the house, but it's, it's not, not easy. easy yeah. And not many people have slept in it like you have. So maybe you want to talk it's a little... Lo- the bed was a bit uncomfortable. <laughs> <probably>. <laughs> <laughs> and small. And, and I'm not sure the sheets were clean. But um, <laughs> tell maybe talk about the house and why you think Amanda responded to that house.
1: Well, I... I hope all of you are familiar with it at least i mean i think it's one of the most important buildings in australia actually um and he was a kind of revolutionary in his own right and it's um, he's revolutionary in particular through his kind of use of technology that was available at the time so the roof structure that he's created so you've basically got a front section of the house and a rear section it must be quite challenging for the kids because they, they were a family who lived in the back section, and you had to go outside to go, go to the back section. But there was a, a cable system that supports the roof on, on either side, and then kind of semi transparent walls on, on the sides to create a sense of kind of environment in the centre. But as a kind of living concept, that's quite revolutionary, I think, to, to have this kind of two parts kind of connected by a tent effectively. Um, and it, it creates a very, very special space. And of course, then he's designed all of the furniture, and well, most of the furniture. Um, and you know, for an architect, I think it's very rare to have the exp- have the opportunity to offer a completely immersive experience through design, which is to have have your hand on, on all aspects of design in that particular environment. And that's a a great example of it. And you know, um, it, this was in a, a, a where, where was it? 1950s like or was building? Early 60s, fifty-nine. And uh, at a time, I think, when there were very few genuinely modern buildings in in this country, and indeed in in most of the world, you know, when we think about some of the early modern buildings in the 20s and 30s, but the the trickle-through was still incredibly slow, and he took it through to another layer, and I think has given an architectural distinctiveness to Australia through the work that he's done so go and see it basically another
0: another house that which is also by boyd that um, amanda selected ah, yeah. is uh the Featherston house and there are some i suppose interesting connections between here uh this building and and the Featherston house the, the ceiling for instance
1: Yeah, I mean, are we able to get access to that house? Is memory going to let people in at all, or
0: occasionally? It's a house in Ivanhoe designed by Robin Boyd in '67, and occasionally the Robin Boyd Foundation have open houses and open house part of the open house scheme, and they you can go and visit. Um, But it's not; it is still used.
1: Yeah, it's still a private family house. Um, And but if you can get opportunity to go and see it, that was one of the best private houses I've ever been to in my life. And I've spent ridiculous amounts of my time going around the world looking at architecture, so that's quite a, a, an accolade from my, from my perspective. But it, it's um, it, it's it's set in effectively a rural setting, and the rear facade of the of the building is com- is completely glazed to a significant height, eight meters, maybe nine meters, something like that. So you've got to imagine you've got a kind of nine-meter squared glazed wall looking out onto a forest. Um, it gets more complicated when you realise there's running water um, and I don't mean from the taps I mean from a, a, a small waterfall and a series of kind of ponds inside the house so you imagine dealing with the kind of uh, uh, the, the uh, evaporation and, and all of those kind of water issues um, and it, the, it's also planted to the extent that uh, you have moss and you have a whole series of plants which require a huge amount of, of of water so it's an incredibly kind of ambitious project in terms of the the eco balance of the space um and the roof i think was quite challenging wasn't it i mean i think mary said they've changed the roof like four or five times in an attempt to get a roof that didn't leak on them and uh, and, and worked but robin boyd was a very experimental guy and he was prepared uh, to really push the boat out in terms of uh, uh, offering a living a environment and he found in the Feversons, clients who were prepared to, to, to accept that um, and um, I don't know what else we're saying about I mean, it because it, the volume of the space and, and then you've got within the bigger cube of the space which is 9 or 10 metres high you've got a series of different multi-levels that, over, that overlap each other you know it has, it has echoes for me of bits of falling water you know the famous Lloyd like Wright building in in, in the States but on the, instead of being outside it's inside it's, it's remarkable space have you, is that the one of the ones you've done uh, yeah, we, yeah.
2: We, we have one of that I think it's it's a really I mean that incredibly evocative description is, is kind of indicative of why we like the, the, the use of technology to kind of just scale that sort of access because actually stills and text don't evoke that no, they you're wouldn't right, get right. your passion yeah, yeah. The, 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 which I, I hope when Amanda records her a little bit we'll capture something like that that, that, that sense of, of what it is to be a lived experience and we all know how different it is to be in um, an environment with someone who really knows what they're talking about and have it described to you so whilst, you know, things aren't everyone can't visit everywhere and there are galleries and buildings all over the world that, that we would love to and I think there are so these sorts of technologies are little, little footsteps towards um, you know, creating as much access as is, as is is reasonable, and it's quite exciting what what's going to be possible. I now want to go to the building there. So yeah, oh, the oh. real life bit is definitely
1: um, the. I mean, the, the other thing about it is, is you know I've described it in a kind of more macro way, but um, what fascinated me I it was some of the, the the detail of it as mm-hmm. well, and you know everything is considered. And again, it, it's got a unique and complete set of Robin Boyd furniture designed for the house as well um and um you know again i'd like to go and say it again because every angle and every you know the way that because you've got very sharp corners on, on 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 the edge of one of the platforms and the, and the way that the carpet or the, or the or the other materials joins us yeah it's
2: really kind of yeah. genius and maybe technology can help you to I, exploit those those little detail views as well. I don't know. I know that the team are passionate about Thurston House, and, and and and. But when they were talking about it, it was very much more about um, the detailing and the design and the, the integration, um, the integration between space and uh, what you were talking about at the start. This idea that that everything is designed, everything is designed, and and it's so rare to see um, or maybe we don't have time, maybe we don't have money, but it's so rare to see a, a, that, that level of thought that comes into a, a, a holistic way, into, into spaces like that. So, yeah, I, I haven't seen it, and now I feel a bit left out. The
0: other, the other thing which was interesting is that Amanda's chosen not only pieces of architecture, but sort of more ephemeral um, design. And one of them was uh, uh, some graffiti, which uh, she saw... On a fence and around Melbourne, uh, recently someone's been do- or people have been doing graffiti with tape on, on um, wire fences, uh, which really that Amanda was taken by, um, and I think she saw another thing which was almost like a, a a building under the in the process of demolition, which once again gave her or she thought was an interesting one yeah, to look I mean, at.
1: We were driving by and saw this and, and screeched to halt and, and, and weren't going to have a look at it because it's a piece of sculpture. I mean, it, it, there's a moment... It, it will be gone in a few weeks' time, I presume, We're in the process of, uh, of demolition at the moment. And what it creates is, a I don't know, eight-storey U-shaped facing onto the street where they've taken out... I don't know why they've demolished it this way, but um, it, it's very effective as a, kind of, as a visual thing to look at, where each, on each of the floors, they've obviously ripped out a section of the front, leaving the kind of... Um, mangled and twisted steels that were, were part of the concrete construction. It, it looks absolutely fantastic.
0: And I suppose that's very much what, what, what Google are trying to do is I suppose provide um, uh, a designer's eye, a particular person's impression and inspirations and then in a way communicate that to a much broader audience.
2: Um, yes. I think what Google are trying to do is just just create tools for um, Cultural makers and, and observers to use the the use sort of these new technologies. It, it's 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 just terribly it's sort of terribly frustrating to see um, to see us kind of the, the the culture sector still very de- defensive about how it wants to document and how it wants to explore and and, and where you know we're meant to be the cutting edge. And 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 often because of the structures of how we support and display these things, it, it's um, and also because we don't have any money, um, we tend to do things that we we understand and 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 uh, are controlled and and yeah. So so I think that just creating little platforms for us to explore and experiment and and, and play in the spaces of. So it's mainly this is about content and about how content. Um, how content, as we understand it, is evolving from books to virtual reality headsets, and that actually there's not a not an enormous difference between these these two things, um, apart from the, the the kind of durability of a book. Um, it's 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 just trying to open up that sort of space. I mean, we talk about design moments.
1: We focus up a little bit on the design, but actually the other thing we can focus on is the moment you know because the last example we've given about mm. a building in the process of demolition is a it is a moment and i i think this project can evolve in ways where each of the 25 selections has a particular moment around it and in fact we talked about that earlier on in it where um there's a certain time of day that you could look at something where it, it's at its best or or um We've 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 blinkered the view to get you to force you to look at it in in a in in a certain way, creating a very particular perspective and moment. Um.
2: Yeah, the, the, the uh, well, it's all about ephemerality, really. Um, it sort of, uh, I, I I mean, I, I think the design like we we sort of started with architecture. We just done a little bit of furniture. There's this also this this design of experience. Um, which is both a a kind of lived experience, a real experience and and increasingly an online experience. And and I'm sure with architecture as well there have been moments where technology is far ahead of the humans. Um, I don't have examples to hand but I'm... uh, where the the, the ability to create is perhaps not really taken into account the fact that this is how we want to experience and and be, and So we are designing without humans. Um, around technology and I certainly think that at the moment there's a problem with digital which is that it is broadly designed without the humans um, and with, with strong regard to the, the, f- the functionality of things well I mean to talk about being, being ahead of the
1: curve I mean Google's been working on a project for driverless cars for many many years now and having invested hundreds if not more millions of dollars on, on this project and I think that feels a very threatening development for lots of people um, but it feels also inevitable as well and, and the impact that can have on our city where um, uh, there not only are, are there, there's no risk of accident and so on but a lot of the, uh, the, the noise associated with cities from combustion engines um, you know, a lot of the pollution of course is from com- combustion engines um, and uh, a lot of the kind of street furniture and street paraphernalia is about the movement of cars in the cities. Arguably, all of that can go. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if this if is as successful as it promises, it will completely change our living experience in cities.
2: It, it, it should, I think, I mean, I'm not but sure. are we whether, ready for it? Yeah, I'm not sure <laughs> whether it's Google's solution because, you know, there are uh, infrastructure and industry in many, many aspects of the rest of the world that that, but, it, but we're moving towards it I mean you've got cars that, that park themselves and you've got um, cars that kind of do look after significant aspects of your, of your driving experience and I think you know this is, the, the car is, has slowly been becoming more automated I, I'm particularly and I do actually believe that my grandchildren would go so hang on a minute you were allowed to drive your own car at 100 kilometres an hour with no supervision <laughs> <laughs> you, and, and how many millions of people died? And that was a good idea. Um, and and it will be very hard to justify. And you all parked your own cars on the roads outside your houses where they just sat there. And you go, well, yeah, that was... Look, I've got photos. Um, and I think it will seem really extraordinary. But what I do find interesting is the design... So just getting back onto the design bit. The most recent... You probably haven't seen this, but has anyone seen the recent design of the Google car? The most recent design? Astonishingly kind of... like to your point
1: Postman Pat's car you mean basically
2: (laughs) as opposed to Humvee Humvee style for me
1: it was a children's animation and Postman Pat went around the village and delivering letters in this little kind of bubble little car and I was I mean what that raises the point for me is how uh, a lot of technology companies can't do 3D (laughs)
0: and
1: um, you know to invest all of that money you know, significant sums of money in a in a piece of technology which which could make a huge difference if, yeah. if we believe what we just talked about, um, and then to present it in a three dimensional way that way is it was just a massive step back in my view. I, and we we're in the
2: design community We all laughed at it. I, I can't really you can't comment. can not comment. Well, no, you know what? <laughs> I, I, it's not my it's not my role. I'm I'm you know I, I work in a very distinct bit of Google and. Um, I'm hugely positive of the project as a whole. I just thought it was a really interesting design response. I mean, I exactly the same response as anyone else. Quite a lot of Google happens and you read about it in the newspaper. That's kind of how it works. But, I mean, <coughs> Thomas Haverick is working quite closely with Google at the moment, indeed
1: designing headquarters in California. Mm. And, you know, I've had this conversation with him about the difficulties for technology companies in the third dimension. And, and, and design, well, and, and how much and, they struggle and, with it, you know, because everything is so much based around a computer and your or, or
2: other, other digital um, uh, objects. Like and in experience design, and in I mean, we are moving. We're just at the beginning of this move, which is, you know, I'm again something I believe in firmly, which is that it that this is not about. I don't think computers are about screens. Screens are a conduit to the information that that we're allowed to that enables it before screens we had small pieces of card with holes in and it did the same thing that was doing the same thing it doesn't there's no real difference between I mean the the printout and um, the input these are just your phone is not the thing that you're addicted to the information is the thing that you're addicted to these are very um, um, important things to to remember that like within our timeline within our timelines because we have quite short lives um, it feels like this is the only thing but it isn't and i don 't i like an experience like this is 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 wonderful because I, for me there's a there is a, a a conduit to information that that we're just beginning to explore where you begin to allow the information to exist in more organic natural ways around you and um, and it is it is that is going to be a huge it 's not just three d design it's about it 's about how you allow information to um, bleed from the virtual cloud that we have up there into the world around you in, in, in practical ways it's, uh, a, from a design point of view it is, one of the, it is the great challenge of the, the next millennia is how to design the world to allow for those sort of informational conduits and I think it's just going to be fascinating to watch, mm. I'm quite glad I'm too old to try um,
0: Alright well I think, thank you very much Tom Thank you very much, Ben. I know Ben's about to get on a plane to go for a holiday to Byron Bay. Byron Bay, here I come. (laughs) Thank you, Ben. And I think what was fantastic for us at um, M Pavilion was obviously the fact that both Ben and Tom got on board and were excited about what we were doing and wanted to collaborate and participate. And hopefully we can continue to do that. So thank you very much. Uh, Thank you for coming. And thank you, Tom. Thank you
2: very much. Thank you. Thank you very much.